preach you this morning in the precious name of Jesus. I welcome you to our service. I'd like to begin a series of services or sermons this morning entitled The Coin Series. Jesus, while he was ministering in his earthly ministry, used coins on numerous occasions to teach lessons. So this morning I'd like to talk about investments of life. When you think of investing something, it means to give or to endow with a trait or quality. It also carries with it an element of trust, faith, and hope of future benefit. Now in my title, my meditation, I said investments of life. We uh, sometimes use the word life and we think we know what it means. Life is that period of time from birth to death. Each one of us here this morning uh, have life. We're breathing, we're functioning, uh, we're experiencing life to one degree or another, uh, at various different phases and stages in life. None of us knows the length of that time. None of us sitting here this morning know the length of that, that time of our life. We know some generalities. Uh, you know, we can go to the average age, but uh, you know, that's pretty fickle. Really, really pretty fickle. Uh, I wouldn't bank on that. I wouldn't count on that. But uh, as we as we pass through life, we go through different stages. As I mentioned, we go from we go from being dependent to being independent back into maybe being dependent again, depending how long we live. Uh, so as I think about that, our, our opportunity to invest one's life has a window. And uh, you can think about that this morning. Um, how big is that window of opportunity to invest your life for uh, Lord? Someone has said we have three options uh, to do with our lives. We can waste it, we can spend it, or we can invest it. And as I thought about those three options, we can waste it, I thought of the prodigal son. We can read about the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, verse 13, and I'll turn to it, but there it tells us that he wasted his living with riotous living. Very, very short-sighted. I would say, when you think of wasting one, one's life, it's a very short-sighted uh, vision and uh, certainly not, uh, not something we want to do. When you think of spending your life, I guess I, I thought of, <laughs> and maybe that's where our temptation comes in, especially in our materialistic culture. And I'm going to quote here Donald Trump, our current president, and this he quoted when he was 35, and this is what he said. I'll be 36 next year, and I've done everything I can do. Sometimes I think it was a mistake to have raced through all of it so fast. What is the next level up? The grass isn't always greener. I work. I don't worry. Really, how can you top that? I don't believe in reincarnation, heaven or hell. But we go someplace. Do you know? 
I can't, for the life of me, figure out where. You know, there's a man that's consumed with enjoying the uh, things of life to their maximum, I guess you'd say. I don't know if he's changed his perspective or not. I would hope so. He's Is he 70-some now? I think he's 70-some now. I, I would hope that he's... <laughs> He's learned something since he stayed at that. But that's talking about spending your life. And then I think about investing our life, which is what I think we want to focus on this morning. Investing my life, investing your life for the Lord Jesus Christ. Someone has said we should focus on investing our lives in that which will outlast it. And I'm sure you've probably heard that quote before. And another one that's a favorite of mine, only one life will soon be passed. And only what's done for Christ will last. So I was thinking about my life. I was thinking about, you know, investing my life. What have I done with my life? I thought of an incident that I, I that took place probably when I'm guessing was about, uh, I'd have been probably about nine years old. Maybe ten. Not sure. Um, I had, uh, there was nine of us siblings in the family. I was second to the youngest. My oldest sister had gotten married and, uh, in 1966, February 5, 1966. And it might have been within that year or shortly after that that uh, they bought a parcel of land that joined our, my, my father owned. It was a woodland that belonged to the farm. And they bought that parcel of land from my parents and began to build a house on that. And my two oldest sisters actually married into that same family, married boys from that same family. And they had a construction company. Their father had a construction company. And uh, there was nine children in that family as well. And uh, it wasn't, in my family, I had five, four brothers and four sisters. So I thought it was pretty balanced. But in his family, my brother-in-law's family, there was actually eight boys and one girl. And uh, this... Uh, these boys build their own houses, and, you know, that was their job. It was interesting. They each kind of had their specialty, like the one was a plumber. Uh, the one, uh, I don't know if any of them did electrical work. I don't think any of them did electrical work. One was a plumber. One did the finished carpenter work. Uh, uh, another one was kind of like the mechanic uh, for the uh, equipment, like they did excavation work. They did concrete work. But anyway, as this house was being built across the driveway from our house, it gave us boys, like I said, me about nine years old, opportunity to, uh, when we weren't busy, or maybe when we should have been busy, I'm not sure, we'd go over and bother these men as they were working. And they entertained us with uh, stories and riddles. And uh, do we have any nine-year-old boys here this morning? Anybody that's nine years old? Are you nine, Derek? You are? You want to come up here? This is an object lesson. It's hard to imagine that I was nine one time, isn't it? It is. That was a long time ago. I barely remember. This is one thing I remember. These men, as they were working, we'd go over and bother them, and they'd entertain us with their stories and riddles. And one of the things they asked me, they said, you know, we could use a nine-year-old boy to work for us. And they said, we'll give you two options. Do you like to work? Depends what it is, maybe. Okay, yeah. You don't like to commit yourself too much until you know what the bargain is. Well, I'll tell you what. They say, they told me, they said, okay, we got two, two options to pay you. They said, you can come work for us for a month. 
and they said, we'll give you a penny the first day. Okay? You know what a penny is, don't you? Yeah, I got one here. I'll show you, just in case you don't know. You know, people today are into big money, but I still have a penny. And so they said, we'll give you a penny the first day. The next day we'll give you two pennies, and they'll keep doubling it that way every... So next day it'd be four pennies, next day eight pennies, and keep on to the end of the month. They said, do you think you'd like to work for that? Yeah. Think you would? Okay. But then they said the second... Maybe you talk too fast. They said the second option is... They said, the second option is we'll pay you $1,000 a day. So $1,000 Monday, $1,000 Tuesday, all the way to the end of the month. So that'd be like, maybe close to taking off Sundays, probably, uh, you know, maybe $26,000. That sounds a little more than pennies, doesn't it? Which would you choose? They said, which would you choose? Working for a penny a day, and then next day two pennies, next day four pennies, next day eight pennies, next day sixteen pennies. Or would you rather have the thousand dollars a day? Or you need to think about it a while. Maybe you want to go talk to your dad. You rather have a thousand dollars? Well, maybe you ought to go talk to your dad. I think he knows what he'd pick. Well, you know, I already told you what you'd have if you choose a thousand dollars. You'd have probably, if you're taking Sundays off, you'd have about $26,000. you know what you'd have if you'd take a penny a day and keep doubling it for, you know, I, actually in my equations here, I did it for 30 days. You know how much money that would be to the end of the month on 30 days? It'd be $5,368,709.12. Now that would be a bargain, wouldn't it? That's hard to believe, but that's, that's, that's the way compounding money works. You know what? For you coming up, I'm going to just let you have this penny. Now, I'm not paying you on Sunday. Save this till Monday, okay? <laughs> you can have that penny. Actually, it's a, it's a wheat penny, too, so it might be worth a little more than just one cent. I actually did research it out because I didn't want to give you anything too much. <laughs> it's, it's, I researched it out. It's worth maybe 35 cents or $4, depending. So you can have that, Gary, and take that penny. And you remember that. You think about investing your life. Think about it carefully. Sometimes we make hasty decisions. But uh, when we talk about investing in our lives, we need to take time. We need to be careful and choose the Lord's way in investing in our lives. You can go sit down. Thank you. Well, that was one of the riddles that I never forgot. There were many other riddles that, that are, came back to my mind as I, uh, I thought about that. But uh, turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25... I think that's a 1939 wheat penny, and uh, I think they made them through 1956. I'm not sure what year they started, but uh, that's in material. It was the year before I was born that they discontinued. I'd like to read Matthew chapter 25, beginning at verse uh, 14. This is a parable that Jesus spoke here. Matthew 25, verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And and unto one of them he gave five towns, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his servile ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five towns went and traded with the same and made them other five towns. And likewise he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. 
After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received the five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, here thou hast that is thine. His Lord said unto him, his, his Lord said unto, the, unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gathered where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and that at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away, even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I think there's a lot of truth we can learn from Jesus' teaching here on properly investing our lives for the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the things that I, I noticed, this parable implies the element of an expectation uh, of Christ, who is the man that is traveling into the far country. I think it's Jesus, I think it's Christ, who is depicted here as the man that was the the uh, the master, the uh, the owner of the talents that he was dispersing to his own servants. He calls them his own servants. And uh, some of the questions I thought as I thought about the element of expectation as I thought about investing my life for the Lord Jesus Christ, do I know this morning, do you know this morning, what is expected of me as a servant of Jesus Christ? Uh, it's important, it's imperative. We need to know what God is expecting of us. Uh, it's very difficult. You know, I don't like to work for somebody if I don't know what's expected of me. We need to know what is expected of us. I like to be, I like to be, uh, I like to have it explained to me. You want to know what is expected of you this morning? Read and immerse yourself in God's word. It'll it'll clearly tell you what you can what is expected of you. The other thing I noticed as I thought about the aspect of expectation is that they are the master's goods. They were not the servant's goods. They were his to begin with. Uh, there's no room for selfishness in in the kingdom of of God. There's no room for any selfish motives or ambitions or goals. Uh, they were his goods. Even my life this morning, you stop and think about it. What have I done to to uh, make my life happen? Really, very little. Uh, you know, there's, there's good, proper care, diet and hygiene and, and care that needs to be taken. But, you know, in reality, my life is I'm dependent on oxygen. I just read recently how, how long you can live without oxygen. I'm dependent on God. How long you can live without water and how long you can live without food. Food, of course, being the longest thing. And most of us have extra uh, extra reserve on that, probably. Not all of us. But, uh, you know, we can go the longest without food. But oxygen is the one that's critical. We need that. Uh, it would be just seconds if our oxygen were deprived of oxygen. would be gone. 
Is that right? Seconds? How many minutes? Well, it depends. depends. <laughs> on the individual. Yeah. Well, yeah. Brain dead. That'd be longer, I suppose. Didn't mean to put you on the spot. I said seconds. I thought, well, ask the, <laughs> the medics. Five or ten minutes, maybe. Okay. Sure. I'd say don't push it to the limit. <laughs> yeah. We are to work. And that was one of the things that impressed me about these servants here. You know, it seems like, you know, the master gave them these talents, five, two, and one. And it, it as I read through it, I take it at face value. It looks like they didn't waste, they didn't loiter around. They, they set right to the task of, of being good stewards of, of the opportunities that were there for them. And uh, I guess that challenged me um, as I looked at those servants. You know, they, uh, it seems like they just wasted no time. They realized the opportunity was there. They didn't know when he was returning, but they, they got right to the task and, and set about making those, uh, investing their lives in being productive for the kingdom's sake. The, uh, the second thing that I notice is the allocation. Uh, expectation, secondly, is allocation. You know, some were given five, some were given two, one was given one. And uh, you may be sitting here this morning and saying, well, where do I fit into the picture? Am I a five-talent guy or am I a ten-talent guy or two talents or one talent? Uh, I'd like to say we all have one talent at minimum, and that is our life. Uh, there are people that have multiple talents, I believe. Again, there is no room for selfishness. The talents that we have, the life that I have, is, is given to me only for the benefit of the body of Jesus Christ, for the building up of his kingdom, for the building up of his church. That's the purpose. That's the, the thing that I need to keep in focus. What are those talents? What is the allocation of, as you think of those talents? Well, it could be, I'm very practical minded. I think it could be parenting. I think those talents, and you might not think of that as a talent, but I, I believe parenting is a talent, uh, especially in this day and age. Uh, homemaking, listening, uh, could be search and rescue perhaps, uh, even the most menial task, giving of a cold, cup of cold water in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a talent, I believe. Jesus brought that example out. He said, you know, nothing gets done. Even the smallest menial task is not done that he does not notice. Example, a woman by the name of Sojourner Truth, a former slave from the 1840s during the time of slavery, traveled around the countryside, different cities, speaking of the evils of slavery. And uh, one heckler asked her, asked her, he said, old woman, do you think all of your talking about slavery is doing any good? Why, he said, I don't care any more about your talk than a bite from a flea. She thought for a minute, and then she replied, Well, perhaps not, but the Lord willing, she said, I'm sure going to keep you stretching. You know, talk about doing small things. And we may not always know the full extent of the, the things that we do for the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And, and that's not really the object. The object is that we're faithful in doing what God has called us to do, regardless whether it's big or small or little. We do not all have the same opportunities. But you know, the more dangerous thing is there are those of us that are blind to those ops, many of those opportunities sometimes. And I believe that's where we will be held accountable. So I thought about the, the idea of allocation. I thought about my own experience. I, I think you need to start with the little things, the behind-the-scenes things. And, and don't worry if it never gets any further than that. Don't worry if you don't get any recognition. Uh, you know, God saw it. God knows and saw your faithfulness. The third thing that I noticed in this parable that Jesus gave is the motivation. And I had to ask myself, what made the difference between those three men that were given those we have three described here? The uh, the five-talent man, the two-talent man, the one-talent man. What really made the difference? I meditated on that for, for a while. It would be interesting if, if, if each of you had just meditated on that for a while. And think about it. What makes the difference? Why? Why? You know, as I, I thought about that, the thing that I, I concluded, you can tell me whether you agree with this or not later, I think it comes down to personal commitment to the Master. Personal commitment to the Master. Personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ in my own personal life. How seriously do I take my relationship with Him? How seriously do I take my commitment to Him? Uh, that's, I think, really what it comes down to. Faithfulness. Respect for the Master's wishes and goods. God wants each one of us to be a channel of blessing that He can minister to those that we come in contact with. Think, going back to my illustration of the little penny. Is my life being compounded that way? Day one, day two, day three. Am I, allowing, am I allowing God to compound my life that way? I'll give you, Lord, this day. I'll give you, Lord, two days. I'll give you, and it keeps multiplying. But you know, it's, it starts in small things. And as we learn to submit to Christ, as we learn to submit to each other, I believe God can bless us. And I believe the compound blessing to the broader fellowship, even the world, is something that is going to be phenomenal. So I think about the, uh, you know, the, I think that describes the man with the five talents, the man with the two talents. You know, I think they were faithful. They were focused on the master's wishes, desires. Compare that in contrast to the man with one talent in verse 25. Notice what it says there as he answered to the master when he came back. In verse 25, he says, And I was afraid and went and hid that talent in the earth. Lo, here that is that here thou hast that is thine. One of the things I notice is we will all give an account of the talents. How we use the talent that we have. We will all give an account of that. Five, two, one. Or whatever talent you've been entrusted with. It's, it's interesting to notice this man's that had the one talent. Notice his perspective of his master compared to the other two. Notice verse 26. Um, no, verse 25. The master is repeating it. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou 
wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I had not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to put my money to the exchangers, and at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. You know, he depicts God as a hard taskmaster. So distorted. You know, God isn't that way. God invites us to come and to uh, take his yoke upon him. Uh, He sends his reign on the just and on the unjust alike. Uh, Really, uh, we are not deserving of, of any of the good gifts of God. The psalmist, I think, mentions that many times in his psalms about the goodness of the Lord. Uh, David gives recognition to that. Compare that to this servant here who seems to depict God as a, a man that is, uh, a master that is, is hard and difficult. Um, he describes in verse 24 as a hard man. I was missing that, but reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And, uh, so he depicts him as a hard master. Such a distorted view. But you know, uh, what made him have that view? Well, I think it was his, uh, his lack of trust, his lack of commitment to, to his master. The fourth point that I notice is the utilization, and that is the multiplying that took place with these men's towns. They went to, from five to ten and two to four. And uh, I wanted to mention also, as we think of the utilization aspect, uh, utilization has the idea to make profitable, you know, we like to utilize opportunities. We like to utilize our lives. We like to utilize uh, uh, opportunities for the blessing of, of God's kingdom. Um, you know, everyone has one talent, as I mentioned before. As I thought about the... Uh, I want to turn to Matthew chapter 5, just back here, the Sermon on the Mount. There's uh, Matthew chapter 4 teaching... Uh, you know, he hid the the one the man with the one talent hid it in the earth. I don't know if that struck you or not. Notice verses fourteen and sixteen. This is what I thought of when I read that: how he hid it in the earth. Jesus here teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew five, verse fourteen: "Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works." and glorify your Father which is in heaven. This man, this man with the one talent, he had a light, but I don't think the light was burning in his life. And that, I think, is the primary difference here. The light was not burning in his life. He hid it in the earth. How can we hide our talent? Well, it's earthly things that will hide our talent. We need to shed ourselves of those earthly things so that our talents shine through brightly as the... Uh, Sermon on the Mount, Scripture there tells us. We need to shed ourselves of that earth. He hid it in the earth. Earth will hide our town. Earth will hide our light. The things of this earth will hide our ability to be effectively employed in God's kingdom. As I thought about utilization and to make it profitable, I, I asked myself, I said, well, how does God measure profit? You know, we... In a business sense, we talk about return on investment. Uh, you know, we, we, we use different expressions to, to, uh, net profit. Uh, you know, after all the expenses are off, what is left for me? Um, looking at Matthew chapter 16, as we think of spiritually, uh, investing our lives for the Lord Jesus Christ, Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, familiar verses. 
Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If a man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Now notice verse 26. For what is a man profit if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? That's how God measures profit. God measures what we are willing to give up to follow him. We need to deny ourselves. What is a man profit if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? It's, there's no comparison. How might we hide our talents is a question I ask. Well, we may hide it in false humility. We can say, as we have different talents, we may say, well, others can do it better. And I've probably been guilty of that myself, you know, asked to do something. Well, let somebody else do it. Maybe they can do it better. Well, that might very well be true, but that is still no excuse. Uh, God calls us to do things. We need to be willing workers. God likes willing workers. And uh, we need to be faithful in doing what we are asked to do. One of the things I thought about as, as being... Um, Profitable utilization is learning to enjoy, I think, the things that we're called to do. And that's not always easy to do, learning to do the things that we're called to do. And I'll just give this little example. And I, I, I was innocent because uh, I had to give a talk at ministers meeting quite a number of years ago. And I think if I remember correctly, the program was they had a bishop and a minister and deacon talking. And we're talking about the work relating to the different offices. And I, so I shared about the work of the deacon. There was an older bishop came to me afterwards and he said, I, I gather from the way you shared, you enjoy being a deacon. And I, I, it kind of set me back because I, I said, well, I said, I, I guess I hadn't really thought of it that way before. But, you know, it, it changed my perspective some, quite a bit, actually, as I thought about that. I, I appreciated what he shared with me, and it, uh, it challenged me to, rather than look at it as a drudgery or a task, uh, you know, learn to enjoy it because it will go a long way in making you a better, uh, a better servant of the master. If you learn to enjoy it, you're going to drag your feet and grumble and complain and nobody else has to, I got to do it because nobody else has to do it. Why? It's going to be a long, hard road, but learning to enjoy the tasks that God has called you to do is certainly a blessing. And I'm not, I'm still learning that actually. And you'll do a better job as well. Well, thinking about fifthly, thinking about compensation, we notice that here, uh, I don't know if it, you, this caught your attention as we were reading through there. You know, as he came to the servant with five, sal- five talents in verse 21, he said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now that, to me, would be, that would be rewarding to hear. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You know, from Dennis, maybe. Okay, I'd be rewarded. Uh, but, you know, I'd rather hear from the Lord Jesus Christ. Um but you know, he doesn't stop there. You know what else he says? He says, Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. So those five talents were just a few things. And I thought about that as we were singing that song this morning, 467. Earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. Earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot cure. Earth has no sorrow, but heaven can remove. And, uh, you know, you think of, we think we carry a load sometimes, but there's nothing, absolutely nothing in this world 
that will compare to what we're going to experience on the other side. The challenge to us is to be faithful. But notice he says few things versus many things. So he's exchanging. Talk about a deal. Talk about a bargain. We have a few things here in this life. And he says, I will give you, make you rule over many things. Uh, so we are blessed. Uh, Jesus Christ, God is certainly a master that is worthy of our service. The things of this life are nothing compared to the blessings of the future. Well, what are you doing with your life? Are you wasting it? Are you spending it? Or are you investing it? I challenge you this morning to invest your lives in the Lord Jesus Christ. May God give us the wisdom. May God give us the desire to enjoy doing that so that his kingdom can be built and we can be blessed and experience an eternity that is in glory, that is uncompared to anything we've experienced in this life.